The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance, do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill his righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, the beloved in whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Today's text describes a classic tent revival. On the bank of a river, a prophetic figure stands, cataloging society's woes and clamoring for people to repent. As we watch, one by one, contrite sinners step forward, entrusting themselves to calloused fingers which pinch their nostrils shut as they are plunged, every bit of them, beneath the moving waters. It's a straightforward 
modest ceremony, nothing more than a bath really when you think about it. And, and yet something about this basic ritual beckons to people, pulling them from busy lives to make a trip down to the Jordan. What was it, do you think, that compelled all those folk to seek John to go down to the river to pray? My wise friend, the Reverend Tom R. Jr., describes John the Baptist as a first-century smoke alarm. His, his preaching shook people out of complacent slumbers and got them moving. They headed down to the river because because they wanted new direction. They, they wanted to turn and face reality in a new way. They wanted John's simple but powerful ritual. John took something that our, our bodies know so well, that just bathed, tingling, freshly toweled off sensation, and, and replicated it for people's spirits. Dunk, splash, sputter, and from the muddy flow, drenched converts emerged with scoured souls. I picture the scene down by the river. <laughs> Despite the preacher's focus on sin as a joyful time, there's something heartwarming about people embracing a new path, a new possibility, new morality, and being embraced in that by God. There, there's joy in the air until until John spies a group of local religious leaders approaching his revival, detecting a whiff of hypocrisy in the air. After all, these folk weren't out in the streets challenging people to change their ways. John launches into one of the good book's most famous invectives. You brood of vipers, don't you dare approach this water without repenting. Watch your step because all your education and all your social status will not protect you here. Repent, you self-satisfied elitists. God wants results. God wants good fruit. Trees that do not bear good fruit will get the ax. John the Baptist draws a protective circle around his ritual wash. These waters, he asserts, have meaning. This sign has consequences for people. To be doused is to be cleansed of sin. To, and to honor your freshly laundered status, you must embrace an ethical path. In the movie, O Brother, Where Art Thou?, three prison escapees flee the law along the back roads of Mississippi during the Great Depression. At one point in their journey, these fugitives come upon a congregation gathered at a wide bend in the river. They've stumbled on a baptismal ceremony. Hearing the earnest hymn singing, holding tight to the promise of redemption, one of the convicts, Delmar, splashes his way out to the preacher and is baptized. Salvation is mine, he shouts. And then he declares that his days of robbing Piggly Wiggly grocery stores are over. John would have approved. Baptism is about repentance. It's about bearing good fruit. But even as John dangles a metaphorical axe over those who would betray the ethics of his watery ritual, someone else walks down to the river. And ironically, 
for the second time in this chapter, John, the one we affectionately call the baptizer, attempts to talk someone out of getting baptized. It's a scene beloved by Renaissance painters. Jesus picks his way down through the crowds, slowly moving toward the embankment, seeking his cousin, the wild-eyed preacher, and the waters of the Jordan. As Jesus approaches, John protests, I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? John's confusion makes sense. He's just been telling us that, that, that baptism is about repentance. So, so why would the Messiah want anything to do with that? The stainless one, does it need to be washed? Why does Jesus request baptism at the hand of John? It's an interesting question. Early Christian art, icons, mosaics, and frescoes of this scene at the Jordan River depict Jesus partially submerged in the water. John stands nearby, gently touching the Messiah's head. Above, a lone dove glides down a ray of heaven-sent light, while on shore, angels wait with ready towels for God's beloved Son to emerge. If you look closely at the river in these scenes, you will see that these icons often contain a set of curious figures. There in the water, along with Jesus, you will often find a sprite, a small bearded man carrying a jug. He is the river god, the spirit of the Jordan, the sometimes enemy of humankind. This aqueous figure reminds viewers that water can be dangerous, floods can destroy. In some icons, Jesus raises his foot to, to quash this river god. And this isn't the only adversary the Messiah will find in the depths. The river waters in these icons are also frequented by dragons and sea serpents. When Jesus enters the river, he enters a realm infested by the powers of evil and chaos. Where does all this fantastic imagery come from? Well, biblical scholars point out that the first three chapters of Matthew ask the question, who is Jesus? Uh, a reader can almost drown in the deluge of answers provided by this gospel. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of King David, the son of Abraham. He's the child of Mary, the offspring of the Holy Spirit. He's Emmanuel, God with us, names upon names. In the first part of Matthew's gospel, Jesus is assigned more titles than a person can bear, and it's not over. As Jesus enters the water, the, the heavens open, the, the Spirit descends, and a voice from on high says, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. After all the names have been given, Epiphany, God speaks, God names Jesus. And God's name for Jesus sounds mighty familiar. It sounds a lot like the person God describes in the book of Isaiah. 
Here is my servant, God says to Isaiah, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will be gentle. He will not break a bruised reed, and yet he will fight for what is right. He will bring light and freedom to the blind and the shackled. Those who painted the, the river icons with their, their river gods and, and, and coiled serpents knew Isaiah's prophecies. They believed God's anointed was coming to do battle with evil. So when Jesus wades into the Jordan, they nod. God would never invite people to plunge into the water and fight the dragons alone. The baptized Christ enters the river to stand shoulder to shoulder with all who want to repent, with all who want to push back against the forces of chaos. This past Thursday, at about four o'clock in the morning, after the Capitol had been cleared and the Electoral College vote had been certified, the women and men we have elected to political office people who disagree so fiercely and so constantly and so publicly with each other stood quietly with their heads bowed as the chaplain of the Senate, Barry C. Black, prayed. These tragedies, the chaplain intoned, have reminded us that words matter and that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Help us to see in each other a common humanity. Use us to bring healing and unity to our hurting and divided nation and world. When the good reverend and retired rear admiral in the Navy finished, you could hear a pin drop. Maybe, my friends, maybe all it takes in the middle of our deep divisions, shocked by our capacity for violence, riven by racism, is someone quietly encouraging us to embrace words of life over words of death. Someone encouraging us to turn and face the forces of chaos together. And to be clear, I'm no longer talking about those who invaded the Capitol. I'm talking about feeding the hungry, providing economic opportunity and safe educational spaces for our children, providing counsel for the addicted, providing hope for those who see no hope, and justice for those who see no justice. I'm talking about battling sea serpents alongside our dripping wet God. My baptized friends, have courage in this time. Hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord. Amen.